What's up, fight fans? Welcome to the Flying Brian Show, UFC 209 pre-fight show. Basically, I'm just going to run through my picks from top to bottom. Woodley versus Thompson all the way down to Sukumta versus Morales. I don't have a co-host right now, so if you don't like me, you're probably not going to like the show. But if you like any of my picks or whatever I'm trying to put out, please give the video a thumbs up. I'd really appreciate that. It would really, really help me out. So, first of all, I'll give the card a grade from A to F pre-fight, and it gets a damn A. I'm pretty, pretty, really excited for the thing, uh, especially the main card, especially the top two, obviously. And it's weird that it feels like a lot of people are more excited for the co-main event than they are for the main event, but um, I'll delay almost no further. As usual, I'm drinking while doing the show. Tonight I've got a Mirror Pond Pale Ale by Deschutes out of Bend, Oregon. It's a fantastic little pale ale. Got it here in my teku glass a little fancy you know with the stem anyway i know you're here for the fight predictions tyron the chosen one woodley versus steven wonderboy thompson the odds have wonderboy at minus 160 comeback on woodley at plus 140 i've already done a really in-depth breakdown or not really in-depth but a lot more in-depth in-depth than i'm going to do right now for mma mania on their youtube channel but basically here I think that Stephen Thompson would need a near flawless performance to beat Tyron Woodley because in their first fight, it seemed like every time Tyron hit Stephen with that right hand, Stephen was visibly hurt. His eyes would dim like a light bulb quickly, and it didn't seem like he was taking those too well. Now, since Tyron knows what Stephen brings to the table, he knows that he almost could have finished him or should have finished him in that fourth round of their first fight. I really think that Tyron's going to get the victory with some really solid takedowns and, of course, with that vicious overhand right. Let's move down. Also, I think that if you're a betting man, you know, I'm not. that's not really my game, but Tyron Woodley, the current champion, uh, he almost finished Steven in the first fight. I think that he's worth a bet at plus 140. Let's move down. Habib, the eagle, Nurmagomedov versus Tony Elkokuye. Ferguson. I've done a really in-depth breakdown for this already on Mania's YouTube channel as well, so please check that out if you'd like to support me, or if not, you know, what the hell ever. So basically, Habib is as close to a one-trick pony as we're ever going to see in modern MMA or in modern UFC. Him and Damian Maya are right there neck and neck with, they're really just grappling guys who have made their striking serviceable enough to, you know, not get finished on the feet and not get really, really outclassed on the feet. Habib has that rear hand uppercut that's pretty powerful looking, but, you know, most of what his striking is is looping punches to get in on some takedowns. He'll walk his opponent to the cage and look for that takedown. Forgot to mention, Habib is minus 182, Tony Okukui plus 157. Uh, Tony's way better on the feet. He's way more diverse. He's going to throw spinning attacks. He's got a six-inch reach advantage. He throws those kicks to the body, which might not behoove him here because Habib is, you know, a takedown artist. But with that six-inch reach, Tony is fantastic with snatching up darsh chokes, uh, front chokes, guillotine chokes, what have you. And I think that if Habib were to go in for one of those kind of sloppy bear crawling takedowns like he did against Michael the Menace Johnson, Tony's going to slap on one of those darts chokes, and that'll be good night out of rain for the Eagle and ruining that blemished record. Now, I've seen a lot of people or I've heard a lot of people talking about Habib is undefeated for a reason, and he's going to stay undefeated for that reason. Well, somebody's got it. These undefeated fighters, they have to take an L eventually, and 
since it's a five round fight, I think that really favors Tony. I think that if we're talking about which guy is better in his opponent's like strength, I think that Tony is better at grappling than Habib is at striking. And I think that that will get Tony this victory. I'm picking him by submission in round number two. And once again, if you're a gambling man, I think that plus 157 on El Kukui is worth a play. Moving down on the card, Sugar Rashad Evans versus Daniel Old Man Judo Kelly. The odds have Evans at minus 225, comeback on Kelly plus 190. Um, this is interesting. I want to see how Rashad does in his weight cut, coming down to 185 pounds for the first time in his career, super late in his career. Now, the last time he fought a middleweight was Chael Sonnen, and he absolutely destroyed him with wrestling. Took him to the ground, hit him with a ton of ground and pound, or not a ton, but, you know, some, some ground and pound. Daniel Kelly, he's an Olympic judo competitor from Australia. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, and, you know, Chael's a good wrestler, but I don't know if Sugar is going to be able to implement the same style of wrestling and the ground and pound like he did on Chael to Daniel Kelly. Something to note here is they are in the open stance. So we've got Rashad Evans as the orthodox fighter and Daniel Kelly as the southpaw fighter. And Dan, even though he is old, he's actually only two years older than Sugar Rashad. Um, a lot of people call him slow. He is super slow in most aspects, but his left hand is deceptively fast and it's deceptively powerful. I think that he could hit Rashad because Rashad was not being able to get a license to fight at all because I think it was because of a brain scan, right, or a brain trauma was why he was not able to get that license to fight. And I think that Daniel hits pretty hard. He's got a deceptively fast left hand. And he might be able to put that on Sugar and put him down. Um, I'm not really confident in that, though, so I wouldn't play that straight out of the shoot. I'm picking Rashad Evans, but I'm a little bit scared for Rashad. One reason why I'm picking Rashad is because Daniel Kelly, he has the one loss on his record. It's to fellow Southpaw Sam Alvey, but Sam put him down with the right hand. And I think that Suga, he used to be known for his super fast overhand right. And while he has slowed severely, I think he could put that on Daniel. The, fle the threat of the takedown accompanied with that uh, slowed but still very dangerous overhand right could put Daniel Jolly down. Uh, what I'm saying here is I'm picking Evans to win, maybe via decision, maybe via, via second round KO or TKO. But just do not be shocked if Daniel Kelly pulls off this victory because I don't think Rashad's going to be able to wrestle him and that pretty quick left hand of Daniel Kelly. Moving down, Lando Groovy, Venata versus David Tamer. Uh, Groovy's a huge favorite, minus 360, and Tamer, come back on him, is plus 295. Groovy's 9-1, Tamer's 5-1. Something to note is that Tamer... As a former kickboxing world champion, he went like 50-1 and one in Muay Thai kickboxing. And, of course, Lando Venata is a really, really good striker, a groovy, very loose guy as well. Lando wrestled in college, I think at a, at a low-level college, or no, it was actually Division One wrestling for a while there. We haven't seen that in his UFC competition. Obviously, he's been known for his strikes. What I, think, what I really think this comes down to is that David Tamer – is going to have a similar kickboxing style as Groovy in this fight, but Groovy is way more loose than David. Uh, David loves to throw leg kicks early and often. When he's trying to throw those, Groovy's just going to back right out, right out away from them. Uh, and I think that Groovy is a really intelligent fighter. In his last fight against... The fuck was it against? Huh, it's 
it's left my mind, but let me just look at it if we've got a second. Right, yeah, John the Bull McDessie. So he set up that spinning technique. He was doing that kick, the like the push kick or the, the inside leg kick to John McDessie the entire time. He just kept doing it over and over, and he was gauging what McDessie was doing to react to it, and then he knew what he was doing, so he threw the spinning heel uh, and met him when he knew that McDessie would move to his would move to Groovy's left to McDessie's right. What I'm saying there is Groovy super intelligent and he uh, is able to manipulate his opponent in the octagon. I don't think Tamer has the same ability. Tamer might be on the same level of pure technique um, and maybe striking power as Groovy, but Groovy's looser and I think that he's the more intelligent and the, the craftier of the two fighters in the octagon. And for that reason, I think that Groovy's going to get this victory uh, probably inside the distance because that's what he does. But either way, it's going to be an exciting and uh, very technical, fun to watch flashy kickboxing affair moving down alistair the ream over ream versus mark the super samoan hunt a lot of people are discounting alistair over ream here because he has a suspect chin and mark hunt hits you know like a truck the odds minus 135 for over ream plus 115 for the super samoan ream has an eight inch reach advantage he always has this reach advantage but i'm picking the ream here for quite a few reasons, but one is Reem has been really, really good at uh, avoiding his opponent's power and protecting that suspect chin of his, uh, but he's also way more diverse than the Super Samoan, and while both these guys are probably over the hill in terms of you know prospect age or purely mixed martial arts com competitive age range, Mark Hunt is really, really old, and uh, there's some folks that are saying that Mark Hunt's going to win because he's mad at the UFC. That is not a reason to pick him to win. Mark is really susceptible to single leg dump takedowns. The Ream has very underrated takedown ability, very underrated uh, ground skills with jujitsu, with submissions, and also ground and pound. I just think that Ream is going to avoid the power from Mark Hunt, take Mark down, and either ground and pound him or look for a submission. Either way, though, I really think that because Lareem is going to be wrestling and running, like literally running, uh, again, if you're a gambling man, I think that this fight's going to go over one and a half rounds. And excuse me for a second, I didn't pull up best fight odds. I need to do that quickly. So I'm just stalling. Um, it's not loading, but I think that Reem versus Mark Hunt over one and a half rounds is plus money. Okay, it's at an even 100 right now, and just a sprinkle on that, I think, would not be a horrible, horrible idea. So I think this fight goes over one and a half, and I think that Reem sinks in a submission maybe later or maybe late in the second round, but just after seven and a half minutes worth of competition. But yeah, I've got the Reem. I think he deserves to be the favorite, and uh, we're not going to hear any fun post-fight interview from the Super Samoan. Moving down, Marcin Tiber versus Luis Henrique. Tibera is 14 and 2. Luis Henrique is 10 and 2. The odds have Tibera at minus 156, Henrique at plus 136. Now, this is pretty much striker versus grappler. My, Marcin showed us some really good kicking and striking ability in his last fight against Victor Pesta. But uh, Pesta sucks, right? So if we're looking at just their recent competition, we've got Marcin Tibera versus Pesta, and Luis Henrique not that long ago fought 
the scariest man in the world, Francis Ngannou. And then he fought Dmitry Smolyakov, who does not deserve to be in the UFC at all, and uh, Christian Colombo, who also probably doesn't deserve to be in the UFC. But what I'm drawing here is that Tybura is going to come out. He's going to throw a lot of kicks. Henrique is really good at snatching those kicks and getting getting his opponents to the ground, working decent ground and pound. Also, even when Tybura knocked out Pesta, he seemed gassed while knocking him out. I'm not very high on Tybura's gas tank or his takedown ability. I think that Henrique's going to take him to the ground and uh, maybe hold him there for 15 minutes, maybe get a TKO stoppage from strikes, but... For some reason, my gut is just telling me to pick Marcin Tybura, even though I know that Henrique's probably going to get him down. I just don't think that either guy is really high level, so it doesn't really matter. I think that Henrique's going to get him down and get a, some ground a pound, but I'm going to say that Tybura gets back up and knocks him out with some pretty dynamic uh, striking. I mean, not real dynamic in terms of the entire division, but in terms of this fight, it's way more dynamic than his opponent. I'm going to lean Tybura, but who the fuck knows? Moving down. Mirsad Bektik versus Darren the Damage Elkins. Now, I have a friend who's going to be doing the post-fight show with me on MMA Mania's Facebook page, Chaz the Scrapper Skelly. He has fought both of these men, and he told me that you should pick Bektik because he's stronger, he's more athletic, um, he's got more diverse striking than Darren Elkins, he's the overall more well-rounded mixed martial artist. But with the caveat, the odds are out-fucking-rageous. We have Bektik at minus 650, I think it's worse than that, isn't it? Bektik, uh, minus 800 with the comeback on Darren Elkins at plus 550. That is straight up ludicrous. Uh, the reason why Chaz the Scrapper said to be to have a little caution with this fight is that Bektik doesn't like to get punched. He's, um, you know, he'll, sh he'll start shying away if his opponent can put decent leather on him. And while Elkins is a ra rather rudimentary striker, he really wants to be a blanket, get his opponent to the ground and hold them there, minimal ground and pound. I mean, he is willing to walk forward with his face as defense, similar to what Diego Sanchez does. And he does throw with a lot of ferocity. His strikes aren't coming with much technique. Uh, they don't look pretty, but they are pretty powerful. So maybe he could get Bektik off of his game a little bit with some decent strikes and then make Bektik a question closing the distance on Elkins. But overall, you, you can't pick against Bektik. He's, he's younger. He's more athletic. He's probably the better grappler. And he's incredibly more diverse with the striking on the feet. And Bektik, since he's so young, he has improved by leaps and bounds, every single time we've seen him, the last time out, while he didn't look that great, but it was against a short-notice opponent who was a striker and had a reach advantage on him, he did look pretty good in the striking department. So I just think Bektik, all areas, he's better. Jackpot, that's good money. Sorry, I just checked out the comment section. I don't know what you're referring to, but thanks a lot, buddy. I appreciate that. It's probably the over on Reem Hunt. Moving down. Uri Alcantara versus Luke Cool Hand Luke is not a cool nickname, but Cool Hand Luke Sanders, Uri Alcantara, 33 and 7, Luke Sanders, 11 and 0. The odds have it as a dead pick of minus 110 to minus 110. Now, Yuri, he moved to J Jackson Winklejohn, and he looked phenomenal in his last fight against Brad Pickett, right? But, I mean, Brad Pickett's should be should be retired. He's already lost three in a row. They're giving him a send-off fight in his home country, so that's really nice of WME-IMG. But 
so anyway, Yuri did look really good. Yuri's good in all ears with the striking, with his uh, jiu-jitsu. And he showed all of that off in a short fight in the last one against Brad Pickett. Now, Cool Hand Luke, um, he's better at wrestling than Yuri, but less talented in the striking department. He does hit super hard. Um, he did knock down Maximo Blanco in his last outing. Then took a lot of time off after that. He was able to submit Maxi Pad Maximo Blanco, uh, but I don't think Maximum Pad Blanco is that good. And Yuri has been fighting the top level of competition for a long, long time. Um, Yuri got wrestled to death by Frankie Signs, um, and he got taken down pretty easily by Jimmy Altera Rivera. But once again, Altera is way better uh, than somebody like Maximo Blanco, even though their styles aren't similar. You see what I'm saying? I think Cool Hand Luke could wrestle Yuri, uh, could hit him with some big bombs with the threat of the takedown and then coming back upstairs. I think he he's really good with the check left. But I have to go with the guy who's mo more well-rounded and has fought the better competition. I'm picking Yuri Alcantara. Um, probably avoid a bet on this one because it is close and I'm not real confident in either guy. Moving down, Mark the Hand of Godbeer versus Daniel Daddy Longlegs Spitz. A couple of things I want you to know. One is that Daniel Spitz is coming into the UFC off of beating a guy who was 3-3. Three and three. Next, so Daniel Spitz, most of his victories are via submission. His last submission victory was over a guy who, in his professional mixed martial arts career, is 0-1. So yes, the one time he fought, Daniel Spitz submitted him. Uh, Mark Godbeer, he did get submitted in his last fight, but... Jeez, Luis, Daniel Spitz, he's coming in on short notice. He hasn't fought fucking anybody at all. And Mark Godbeer hits pretty damn hard. I think that Mark Godbeer, his takedown defense isn't great. I think it'll be good enough here to keep Spitz off of him. And he's going to knock Spitz out. Welcome to the big league, Spitz. Finally facing a guy who has more than one fight in his fucking life. Godbeer, 11-3. and three. The odds, I forgot to say them. Godbeer minus no, what I'm looking at the wrong thing. Godbeer minus 150 comeback on Spitz plus 130. Also, it's really a throwaway fight because nobody, neither of those guys are going to do anything in the UFC anyway. So, who really cares? <clears throat> Last fight on the UFC Fight Pass prelims, a guy who's becoming kind of a fan favorite, Paul the Bear Jew Craig versus Tyson Pedro. We've got a five and zero fighter versus a nine and zero fighter. Tyson Pedro being 5-0, you can deduce who the other, the 9-0 guy is. Something that I want to say here that's not really an analyst, it's not really analysis, but Paul Craig doesn't like mixed martial arts. He's not a fan. He doesn't ever watch it when he's not competing, and that's something that annoys me. They, I was at the gym a few times a while, you know, a while back, and people knew that I liked to watch fights. They're like, oh, yeah, I, I like well, – they, they were fighters – they're like, oh, yeah, we're fighters. You should talk about us. And I was like, I would talk to them. Hey, did you watch, you know, last night's event? Or did you see the last event? It was uh, Derek Lewis versus Travis Brown. They're like, I've never heard of either of those guys. And I was like, get the fuck away from me, man. You haven't heard of those guys? You're obviously not a fight fan. I don't feel like talking to you, bro. Anyway, sorry, that was my little soapbox here. So both guys, they are submission specialists. Tyson Pedro looked horrible on the feet in his UFC debut. Paul Craig looked great on the feet in his UFC debut. Very loose, threw a lot of variety of strikes, high kicks, spinning kicks, uh, very crisp combinations. Um, Paul doesn't have great takedowns, but he has submitted quite a few people off of his back. Pedro has really good takedowns and times them really well, but 
all I can I can I'm saying that from his victory over oh Jesus yeah Khalil Roundtree and you know we know that Khalil has like no ground skills whatsoever so taking him down submitting him is not a big accolade Paul Craig's UFC debut against Frank Frank Waston Frankenstein Henrique da Silva that's a little more impressive to me especially because he submitted him off his back after pulling guard I just think that Paul Craig is the more diverse striker um, and he will be the more savvy guy on the ground and I'm picking Paul Craig uh, inside the distance check the comments nothing okay Amanda Bobby Cooper versus Cynthia Calva Calvillo um, Amanda Bobby Cooper is three and two Calvillo is three and oh the odds have Amanda Bobby Cooper at minus no shit amanda bobby cooper is plus 100 cynthia is minus 120. now you're thinking why are these ladies who have a total of eight fights in their professional career why are they fighting in the ufc and yeah that's not great by any means whatsoever but something to note is both both of them have a shit ton of amateur fights under their belt so you know take their short professional career with a little bit of a grain of salt now amanda bobby cooper she bounces a shit ton in the octagon and her takedown defense isn't really great i think that she's one of those fighters that uses not footwork but movement for the sake of movement not movement for like a specific goal and her last victory i i draw this parallel quite a bit her last victory was against anna elmos who is now retired right so her last fight was a victory was against a fighter who you know, probably didn't want to be here any longer. Now she's facing a fighter who's making her UFC debut, 3-0, uh, who's hungry as shit. I think that Cynthia has a clear advantage on the ground, and Amanda Cooper sometimes puts herself in terrible predicaments. She's not great in scrambles. Cynthia is fantastic in scrambles, and I think that that right there is what's going to get Cynthia this victory, either via submission or probably, more than likely, via decision. Moving down, last fight we're talking about, first fight of the night, Albert the Warrior Morales versus Andre Sukumta. Uh, Sukumta trains with the defunct Black Zillions. I think that he says he trains with Kamaru Usman. I forget. I listened to a nice interview with him uh, by James Lynch, Lynch on Sports. Really good stuff. He trains with a lot of a lot of killers, trains with guys that are a lot larger than he is. Um, he's super stoked to be in the UFC, but his game – I haven't seen a ton of it. Most of the film that I watched in his regional scene was happening in the clinch and or on the ground. And this fight is not going to happen in the clinch or on the ground. These guys are going to stand and trade. I think that Morales is faster than he is and uh, should have a decent reach advantage. And also, Morales has been here before. Um, he's fought really high-level guys like Tomas Tominhas Almeida. He won't be nervous. Sukumtau could be a little bit nervous. I think that because Morales is faster, he won't be jittery whatsoever. I think that he gets the victory probably via decision or maybe via late stoppage. That's it for my picks. I'm going to predict the fight of the night. Um, I'm going to give it to Nermi versus Ferguson. Predict my performance bonuses. I will give them to uh, probably Groovy, Lando Venata again, and I'm going to give it to Tyron Woodley because I think that he finishes Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. What's up, Al Capone MMA? Thank you all so much for watching. 
Follow me on Twitter at FlyingBrianJ. Please like my Facebook page. That is facebook.com forward slash Show. If you like craft beer or beer at all or you just want to support me, I'd really appreciate that. Go to beer.flyingbrianj.com. Subscribe there. I'm trying to do regular craft beer reviews. Once again, I appreciate you guys all so very much for hanging out with me. Uh, tell me if you hate my picks. That's fine. I will try harder next time. Until next time, I hope that you guys have a wonderful evening. Enjoy the fights on Saturday, UFC 209. I'll be doing pre- and post-fight shows on MMA Mania's Facebook page, and I'll also be back right here to do another post-fight show. So that's the longest outro in Flying Brian J, Flying Brian Show history, but whatever. Thanks a lot, guys. See you later. Namaste.